Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Ice the Kicker. My name is Glenn Zinegris alongside Matt Farrar. Another amazing week in the NFL and an amazing bunch of finishes in the NFL. And we'll get to all of that, but we'll start with the biggest one and one that was close to Matt's heart as he was watching after his Dolphins got another big win with Tua, improving to 3-0 in that Tua era. All of a sudden, they're looking at the division like, oh, this is ours to win. And then all of a sudden, it looks like, oh, Josh Allen's about to beat the Cardinals. But, you know, Kyler Murray had other ideas. And DeAndre Hopkins had other ideas. It was a 32-30 to finish on a Hail Mary to end the game. It was just an absolutely unbelievable. I didn't see it live. I was out to dinner, and I was watching. Oh, I, I was like on the game cast on my phone. Mm. And I think I texted you when the Bills went ahead. I was like, oh, that sucks, Matt. Sorry to hear Sorry about that. Maybe <laughs> next week. And then like 15 minutes later, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so this obviously affects you and your team much more than it affects my team. So yes. I'll let you take the reins on this one. Just the roller coaster of emotions you had, just specifically, but the Dolphins getting their big win mm-hmm. and then waiting to see what happened with this Bills game, thinking, oh, we're not going to gain any ground in the AFC East. And then all of a sudden, bam, the Cardinals pull off this miraculous win. And then all of a sudden, you know, the Dolphins, you know, division hopes are not just a pipe dream, they're an actual, you know, re- reality. Yeah. I mean, as far as the division's concerned, Buffalo losing puts them at seven and three and the Dolphins are six and three right now. And they're about to play a most likely Drew Lockless uh, Broncos. Not that he's doing anything special either next week. So, and then the bills have a bye. and then focusing on the bills. I mean, imagine having this loss on your head going into the bye week. Like that's, that is so hard. You got to sit on that for two weeks. That is just impossible to kind of like have to live with. I mean, you look at statistically Josh Allen, 32 for 49, 284 yards. He had two touchdowns and another two picks, though. His QBR was a 70, and his passer rating was a 77, which is not very good. On the flip side, you're looking at Kyler Murray, 22 for 32, 244 yards, one touchdown, one interception, QBR 60, and passer rating 88. So both, nothing really special on either side, but I think at least with the Bills and Josh Allen, he's what he's doing now that he didn't used to do was turn the ball over. Well, I mean, didn't do kind of first half of the season. So the fact that he's turning the ball over a little bit makes me happy as obviously as a Dolphins fan, but as a, as a Bills fan, you have to be a little bit just kind of concerned because again, you look at his, his last drive to win them the game, an absolute dime to Stefan Diggs. You gave up a first round pick for probably was worth even more after his kind of showing so far this year, but throughout the middle of the game there, he is kind of hurting them a little bit. So Hopefully for them, if you're a Bills fan, you have to be like, listen, we need to kind of get our shit together just a little bit. Again, you're not hitting the panic button by any means, but the fact of the matter is you ha- you kind of have the Dolphins coming down behind you. And then say you lose the division, you got the Raiders, you got the Ravens, you got the Titans who are all wild card teams right now. Not division winners, wild card teams. So there's a slew of teams at that kind of six and three, potentially going to be seven and three uh, record right now. But I mean, on the game specifically, just for for Kyler and D Hop to to both do what they do, and I'm curious your opinion on kind of who who is more important in that play. Personally, I, I feel like I I, I got to give it to D Hop, but you also have to give credit where credit's due with Kyler. Like if he if he gets tackled right there, which you saw he almost did, he put on a little stutter step there, and then literally as he's going to his left, literally just looked like a shortstop, and obviously he's a baseball player. 
just kind of fading away, launching it up there and, and just perfectly dropping it sidearm basically. And it was like what 40, 50 yards in the air to drop it perfectly in the end zone. Like if that ball is not in the end zone with that specific height, you're just, you're not completing it. So it was just what a play, what an absolute roller coaster of a game. And it was three bills and Deandre Hopkins in the end zone. So the, the the way that Hopkins was able to just jump over three defenders and pull that down and the way that Kyler was able to get out of there, out of the pocket and just buy some time so he can throw on the run. If you put a side to side between that play and the Eli Tyree play in mm-hmm. Super Bowl 42, it's very, very similar in terms yeah. of what each guy had to do both the quarterback and the wide receiver. Obviously Eli didn't, you know, run 15 yards down the near sideline to get out of the way, but you Mm -hmm. know, escaping pressure, basically closing your eyes, saying a prayer and letting it fly is what they both did. Kyler and Eli. And then, you know, Tyree and Hopkins both had a similar kind of had to jump over two or three defenders to bring that down. And that play affects so many things in the NFL, not just the game at hand that happened that the Bills mm-hmm. lost and the Cardinals won, but two divisions have been completely changed. The AFC East has been changed and the NFC West has been changed. If you look at the, the NFC schedule, West is so tight yeah, right now. The Seahawks have come back to earth and yeah. Russell Wilson, who we penciled in as the MVP three episodes ago mm-hmm. is not that anymore. And the Bills, who were about to start, you know, keeping pace with the Dolphins surge, now have fallen back a little bit. If that game goes the other way and the Bills win and the Cardinals lose, then the Seahawks aren't as panicky as they are now. Mm-hmm. And the Bills are staving off the Dolphins and they're not as worried about Miami as they would be if that game ended differently. So the seismic shift in both of those teams was dramatic, all because of one you know, miracle play. And uh, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see because I believe the Cardinals and Seahawks play on Thursday, if I'm yes. not mistaken. That's a mm-hmm. huge game that, mm-hmm. you know, might not have been as huge if, you know, the Cardinals lost. So I'm interested to see moving forward when these two divisions are decided, how this one play affects so many teams, four teams, the Cardinals, the Bills, of course, the Dolphins and then the Seahawks, and then also the Rams. The Rams, yeah, yeah. So this 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 one play affects four, five, six teams in the NFL, which is absolutely wild if you think about it. Yeah, I mean, get I, I we've been talking about it a little bit. I just the way I kind of watch football games now, I really like to pinpoint certain turning points type of plays. And then when this happened, like to me, I was just like, and as a Dolphin fan especially, and if you were a Bills or even a Rams, Seahawks, Cardinals fan you got to sit there and be like, holy shit, like this one play could change the outlook of the whole entire year this year. Who knows? What if the Cardinals go on a run now and and make the playoffs? Because right now they're slated to win their division, which obviously you lose. Now you're behind the Rams and the Seahawks, both by uh, a game. Who knows if the Cardinals kind of go into the playoffs and they make a little run right now. But maybe that doesn't happen unless this play occurs because just kind of forecasting a little bit, you're assuming that New Orleans and Tampa Bay are going to have two teams in the playoffs out of the NFC South. Mm-hmm. And obviously, and then, so it's basically going to be one other team from the NFC West besides the division winner. So it really is crazy to think about kind of the ramifications that happen through one play. And I think that's just the beauty of sports and the beauty of football, especially that we're seeing 
is that one play literally could change a whole entire season, not just for their team, but for, like you said, we kind of like, what, five or six teams that this affects, basically? Yeah, and if you look more specifically at the Cardinals and how this game affects them, if you look back on what they've done so far this year, they started off winning two in a row, then they lost two in a row, so they're two and two, then they rattle off three straight. Jets, Cowboys, nothing to write home about. They should win Mm -hmm. those games. Then they get that big win against the Seahawks in week seven going into the bye. So they're feeling good. They just beat, you know, Russell Wilson at the time was playing very, very well. MVP level Mm -hmm. type of play from Wilson going into that game. They beat them 37 to 34 in a back and forth game. Really big for the young Kyler Murray to get a a win like that. Mm -hmm. Then you get the bye. And then, no offense to you, a disappointing loss against the Dolphins. Let's call it as it is. And then all of a sudden, bam, we're about to lose to the Bills now. So all the good vibes we had from the three-game winning streak going into the bye are completely gone because we just lost to the Dolphins and the Bills, two teams that we probably should have won if you look at, you know, the talent on the rosters, if you compare them side by side. And then mm-hmm. you get that win against the Bills because you come back. All of a sudden, that's big because you play the Seahawks right away. And if you win that game, you have the tiebreaker against the Seahawks because you swept them. And then yeah. you get kind of a break against the Patriots. And then you play the Rams right after that. So. This win right there. that this win really sets them up to win this division and at the very worst gives them a little of a cushion or kind of a you know a safety net in case they stumble against the Seahawks or the Rams. Yeah, I mean it it really is it, it's it's for for them specifically like like I said their season is is, is going to happen starting with that play that won them the game and these next kind of 3 weeks like you, you start getting those tiebreakers, like you said, over the Seahawks. That's huge, and not even just for the division, but for uh, wild card. If it comes to that, it really is crazy when you when you think about it and break it down like that. Like, just you, you put together uh, three good weeks right here. It could give you some leeway on the back end of the season to kind of tail off if things kind of go off the rails and still maybe end up being a division winner. And then all of a sudden on Thursday, when it might not have been had the Bills won that game and not collapsed. Mm-hmm. The Seahawks need to win this game on Thursday. Yes. Like it's absolutely imperative that the Seahawks win this game because after that, they have a pretty, you know, easy schedule. They play four NFC East teams in a row, Eagles, Giants, Jets, Washington, which is just a godsend for them. (laughs) But you still need that Cardinals game because Mm -hmm. now you don't have that game in hand because you lost them and the Cardinals just stole one against the Bills. So that's the game of the division that you just lost because you've been mm-hmm. playing very, very badly, losing to the Bills, losing to the Rams. And in that Rams game, Russell Wilson and really everybody looked terrible. The defense has been terrible. Russell Wilson mm-hmm. hasn't played well in the last three weeks, three or four weeks, even though they beat the Niners in week eight. They've lost three of four. This, it, it's, I, I wouldn't panic if I'm Seattle, but I'm sweating a little bit if I'm Seattle. Yeah, I mean, just looking at Russell Wilson specifically, because we know their defense is not very good. Even and again, I, I thought Jamal Adams was really going to help them out, but clearly it didn't. So they're probably like, shit, we should have kept those two first round picks. But Russell Wilson has seven turnovers in the last two games. And some of the turnovers, I remember just one specifically in the Rams game, he like had like a perfect easy first down he could have ran for and threw it across his body, kind of Jeter throw-esque, and it got picked off in the end zone. And you're seeing very uncharacteristic like plays from Russell Wilson and I was watching on it might have been Colin Coward who said it was basically say or probably Skip Bayless actually he was saying how Russell Wilson's doing these things because 
he feels that he needs to do so much more than what he's capable of because the defense is so bad. And I get that. But then again, like, like I feel like Russell Wilson's better than that to really kind of feel that pressure. Like you're given a first down, like you literally had 15 yards to run and you just throw it up across your body. Like that's not Russell Wilson. So he himself needs to check, figure it out right now, because to me, as of right now, his MVP hopes are gone. Yeah. And, and the team itself is riding on him and that's not, really that's not unfair to him that's just how it is that's that's the the nature of the situation with you're the quarterback on a, a playoff kind of bubble team he seems to be overcompensating which he wasn't doing early in the year yeah. I and mean, you look at their offense against the rams it's not showing up for me unfortunately but 16 points for you know a russell wilson led offense mm-hmm. is it's not you don't see that every single week normally they're putting up points 34 in a loss against the Browns, 27 in a win against the Niners, 34 in a loss against the Cardinals. They have the bye, 26, 31, 31, 30, 38. Normally this is an offense that's that's lightning. Like they, yeah. they score a lot of points and, you know, give credit to the Rams defense and they're going to have to worry about yes. the Rams because they have a loss against the Cardinals and the Rams and they, mm-hmm. have, they don't have the tiebreaker against each of those. They play the Rams in week 16, obviously, as we said, the Cardinals on Thursday. They need to wake up soon because if they yeah. lose that game against the Cardinals, even if they take care of the four, next four games against the NFC East, then you got the Rams and you don't have those tiebreakers. Those tiebreakers yeah. are extremely important. And even though it's an expanded playoffs, you'd rather win the division. You'd rather play at home in Seattle, even though you don't have fans. It's still a yeah. tremendous home field advantage because all these teams have to travel to Seattle, mm-hmm. which is awful. Nobody wants to do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> So this is a very, very important game on a short week for Seattle to get over that loss quickly and to play the Cardinals on the road. The Cardinals are going to be feeling good. They're going to have all the confidence in the world. The momentum's all on their side. And, you know, this is a really big litmus test for this Seattle Seahawks team, specifically their defense, because their mm-hmm. defense has not played well. And now you got to go up against Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and all those guys that they have. That's a very, very tough ask on a short week. Yeah. Again, I want to just – uh, segue into a little bit the playoff structure because we obviously reference it and people if you guys don't know it's no longer the one and two get a buy and it's no longer six teams are in it. it's now seven and just the first place team uh, or the best team in the conference gets a buy and there also is no reseeding so obviously that benefits the NFC East winner because they're probably only going to have five or six wins at the most and clearly the, the team they're playing is probably going to have four more wins than them so I was curious, first off, your thoughts on the the, the seven teams and then the, fir- the first team getting a bye and the other six play, and then also as far as no reseeding, kind of your thoughts on that. Uh, I like the only one team gets the bye. I don't like buys. Yeah. They always seem to lose the next week, right? Mm-hmm. They always yeah. seem to get the week off and they, they take a break. And they one at least one team always seems to lose that, that game after the bye, the divisional round. Mm-hmm. So I like – only the one seed getting the buy because th- why would you reward the two seed? What did they, what did they get? You know, I agree. yeah, just one, the one seed you won the conference in the regular season. You should get the buy the two seed. Mm-hmm. That's I, I always thought that was stupid reseeding. Mm-hmm. Um, did, did they fix, did they change it in the NBA where it's not automatic top four? If you win the division, I thought that's what it was. I'm because I, I saw a tweet it was, was at right. one point. I'm not sure if it still is. It, it was referencing another sport, how they kind of did reseeding. And that's what kind of made me think of this. 
because you know the NFC East team should not host. Like that's not fair. Like I know the people on the other side will say, mm. you know, you play who your division is and you win your division and that's it. it it's tough luck that you know one division is yeah. far superior than the other. But in today's kind of climate, with not only NFL and all sports, like how other than baseball, how important is your how? What is the division, right? Mm-hmm. It, 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 it never made sense to me. Like, I feel like baseball is different than football in terms of like you win your division because you play those teams 19 times, 19 times four. That's a huge chunk of your season. But basketball, you never really play the division. Mm -hmm. And then football, you only play them twice, which is only one more than you'd play any other team. Yeah. The issue is if you don't do it by division, then all of a sudden you can make the argument, hey, a division winner shouldn't even be in the playoffs in the first place. There's a slippery slope when you start reseeding divisions where a division winner can get the seven seed or the worst seed left. And it's just a slope where I feel like you should just leave it. But I do like the buy only going to the one seed. Yes. I'm, I'm with you half the part there. I, the one seed getting the buy, I think is awesome because like you said, being second place, it's like you're, you're, you're getting a buy and you're still getting a home game. Like you're, you're kind of double dipping there for being the second best team out of the six like that to me it's just way too much and then i like your point about the slippery slope because like you said yeah say you have the nfc's winner but they're the seventh seed then it's like all right well why even have divisions at all just do it like hockey does versus east and west or just a or just just afc nfc and then again it doesn't matter about the division you might not even have a uh, an nfc's team in, in it at all so that's kind of I, I would that's where the trend would be if you don't reward the division winners. It, but it is really interesting though, and I think obviously this year is kind of this. I mean, this has to be like the worst team to get into the playoffs of that, that that we're kind of projecting here with the NFC East winner it being sub seven wins. So I mean, it does kind of suck when you're going to see a team from the NFC West not make it, and they're probably going to be a seven eight, maybe even nine win team, which is crazy to think about. So I still like, I guess, a little bit the division winners getting the home game just because I think this is just an outlier year. But, like, yeah. again, if this is something that keeps reoccurring, I think the next time they have their CBA meeting, they should really reevaluate and be like, listen, should we just do conference? Like, does that, does that make more sense? And they kind of Yeah, think that's a conversation this. that the NBA is going to have. If Eastern yeah. Conference teams keeps getting – I mean, they did the um, – this year they're going to have a play-in tournament with the 7 to 10 seeds – Mm-hmm. in a tournament to make the actual playoffs at the end of the season. If that works or not, we have yet to, well, it's yet to be determined, but it's a step forward because, you know, these East teams that go under 500 make the playoffs. And then there's the ninth and 10th seed in the West that's over 500 and they don't make the playoffs. So why don't we just get rid of conferences? Like I understand yeah. the point that these conversations are with all these sports, the better teams, regardless of geography shouldn't make the playoffs. It's not fair yeah. that, you know, the Giants at seven and nine can make the playoffs and have a home game against Tampa or New Orleans. That, 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 yeah. that obviously that's not fair. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with you when you mm-hmm. say that, but you know, the, the yeah, divisions are there, you know what I mean? Yeah. That it's, so it's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're already honoring that divisions are a thing. And also so how you, often does this actually happen where this division is that bad? That's my point. So say they kind of amended this and then, it just it kind of everything went back to normal. You'd be like, oh well, shit. My my nine and seven Giants who won the division say maybe don't even make the playoffs now. Like then that's where you kind of run into, and you're like, well, well, shit. Like that doesn't make much sense because now you have, I mean, even just financially, you have no 
representative from the NFC East. Like, and that just kind of totally uh, swipes out the, the whole credibility of the division from under them. And I don't think that's necessarily fair. Yeah. And that's not right for the NFL because, you know, the NFC East teams say what you want about everyone else. The most marketable teams are in the NFC. East. Oh my the Giants, I, I, you got Cowboys, Washington. Yeah. I don't but think you that's could. That's probably just, the most profit. If you look by TV ratings, there's a reason yeah. why, you know, the teams suck Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night, they all want those games because, you know, yeah. those large Northeast fan bases love their football teams, no matter what, you know, their I mean, team talent is. So yeah, if you Giants, take those, Giants and Cowboys well, alone. Yeah. If you take one of those, all of those teams out of the playoffs this year and you put it in, you know, no offense to the Bears who probably who have great fans or the Vikings, but that doesn't, you know, move the needle like the Cowboys yeah. or, the Eagles or the Giants do because those that, are just so much bigger. And that's something people need to understand that, again, it is a business, business. like like, like they're, they're 100. It's 100 percent of business. Like you're not going to have a, a division with, say, the, the top four most marketable teams in one division. You got to kind of spread out the love a little bit. And that's why, I, like you see, like, like we were kind of saying before, the, um, like, like the Vikings and, and the kind of Bears, like they're lucky that they have a Packers, a, a notorious franchise that has a huge fan base behind them. So each division kind of has that either player or that that just historical team behind them. And so I think just kudos to just the the way the kind of landscape of football has kind of trended that it still does make sense. Obviously, I definitely would agree, though, that the NFC East takes the lead as far as marketability and profitability. Like, if you look at the NFC playoff picture now, the Packers would be in the playoffs, obviously. Who would be the one seed? I think the Packers at the moment would be the one seed or the Saints. They're both seven and two. Then you got, yeah, got yeah, you got the Buccaneers seven and three, and then you got the three-way tie in the NFC West. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, and then the NFC East team would be the seven, you know, mm-hmm. the seventh team in the playoffs. But they would obviously have a better seed. What teams missing that you need to see? You know, yeah, no, you, yeah. You, you'll just like be like, oh, this is just a farce. This is not fair because you know the Bears and Nick Foles or Trubinsky, whoever it is, need to be in the playoffs. Like that, yeah. that, that's not. That's not right. No, I, I, I'm 100% agree with you. Bears, there. Vikings, even the Lions, you can still throw out there. I don't. The Falcons and Panthers won't make the playoffs, and then the Niners, if they ever get their act together, I don't know if they will. I don't think they will. Yeah, they, they still need a quarterback. Is there a huge drop off between either of those teams and whoever will end up winning the NFC East? Record aside, not really. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, but that NFC East, though, I guess we can segue into the NFC East now because. We've been saying it week after week after week after week. Like if the Giants would just do this, if the Giants would just win this game, if mm-hmm. things broke right just this week, then they're in yeah. it. And every week the Giants haven't won. And then mm-hmm. every week you just have the same conversation. Now this week they actually did win. And yeah. they won against the Eagles, right? Mm-hmm. So now at three, five, and one, the Eagles are in first place. And at three and seven, the Giants are in second place. So they're tied in terms of wins, which is insane. Actually, yeah. The giant, if Evan Ingram caught that pass in Philadelphia, they'd be in sole possession of first place, which just breaks my heart. But the question I'm going to pose to you is more on the Eagles side. Is Doug Peterson's job in jeopardy? Because we've been waiting for the Eagles who have the healthy quarterback and the Super Bowl winning head coach to kind of eventually figure it out and run away with this garbage division where every team's terrible and every team's hurt and every team is just dysfunctional, but they never have. And now they're losing to the giants. 
And now their NFC East lead is dwindling instead of, you know, getting wider. And you got Dalton coming back too. So it's like the Cowboys are slaps. So all of a sudden the Giants have a bye and the Eagles, I believe, play the, they play the Browns. The Browns obviously above 500. They're, you know, fighting for playoff position. So if you lose to the Browns, all of a sudden it just keeps getting lower and lower. You lead in the division and Mm -hmm. Giants have an easier schedule than the Eagles do. Is Doug Peterson, if he, if this team completely collapses and doesn't make the playoffs, is Doug Peterson out or does his Super Bowl buy him another year? I mean, I, so well, I think he'll stick around, but if I'm the Eagles, I feel like I would want to kind of kick him to the curb a little bit because it's like the same thing with like the Giants and Eli. It's like, how, how, how long are we going to hold on to that? Like, oh, well, he was a a Super Bowl winning either player or or coach because you got to look at, Within these past kind of two years, like what is what has he done? And I I'm, and it's just it, when you look at the landscape of their team, first of all, like they have all the pieces they should need. Like they paid big money to Darius Slay. Your offensive line is still intact. You you gave uh, Wentz an extension, but it's kind of not really panning out right now. And then they're going to be in cap hell a little bit at the end of this season with all like the rollover money and stuff like that. I know Jason Kelsey. They uh, deferred a lot of his contract, and that was a hefty contract. And same like Lane Johnson, too. So they're going to be at a point next year where they might have to kind of go into a little mini rebuild, or at least they're going to have to cut some salary. And it kind of – you look at uh, Peterson kind of fading. I'm seeing the same thing with Wentz, too. And usually – He's terrible. And it's just like when you watch him play, there's just like nothing there that I'm in love with. Like there really isn't. He's – extremely inaccurate right mm-hmm. up until well he's been healthy for the most part this year knock on wood but like he always gets hurt in previous years he's never been mm-hmm. able to start the field he overthrows everyone like i don't I, I can't see like the the i think he's just i don't i'm not gonna say he's done because that's not fair could be done in philly he you might be done hurts philly, behind you. i mean where's the where do you see the improvement or the potential in Wentz to get out of this funk that he's in. Yeah. He looks like he's kind of plateaued a little bit. It's like when you watch him, it just, first of all, he just, his demeanor just looks like he's defeated. And I know I feel like a Cam Newton kind of guy. You had that one monster year Mm -hmm. and then everything else has just been a steady decline. Like did we hype him up too much in his first two years in the NFL or. I I think he, I think he deserved the hype. I think he definitely did. And obviously I think going to this year, he definitely deserved some love too, but just, Throughout this year, again, I'm just I'm not really seeing anything kind of too crazy. Like he's not I don't really. Think the Eagles have loyalty to him. Like he didn't win the Super. Bowl. Uh, no, I mean I think that's I think Eagles fans especially are like, well, we did this with Nick Foles, so it's like, is Wentz even our guy? Like I feel like that's been a question even when he won the MVP. It was like, oh well, like is he really our guy? And then obviously, yeah, like you said, was Foles kind of leading the charge there in the playoffs? Like. That, that's got to hold some water there too, because you have to ask yourself, would Wentz have done that? And we don't know and we won't know, but it is a, an interesting argument. But yeah, I, de- I definitely think that Peterson is probably on the hot seat. I mean, if you can't win this division and your team, like you have your team, like you're, you're fully healthy. You have Peterson going in on, on he's on multiple years. It's not like the giants with their first year head coach. And all, other, all the other teams have first year head coaches. That's what I, so th- there's really, no excuse. Like, there's just absolutely no excuse. Yeah, the whatsoever. veteran head coach won the Super Bowl. You have the, you know, big money quarterback. 
Mm-hmm. You have all this talent on defense. Why so, are you three, five, and one? And why I, you, I agree. Why are you losing to the Giants? You shouldn't be losing I mean, to the Giants. If we if we want to segue into that, I think with the Giants, and you could take the reins on the uh, Daniel Jones talk, but again, I've been saying it for a little bit now. I really like their defense. I really, really People like their defense. Good. The pressure that they get up front is so, so good to see with Tomlinson and and Lawrence and then obviously Williams and you have Blake Martinez there. Just like that that play up the middle is huge for them right now. And again, you 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 just kind of keep plugging and playing some other edge rusher guys there and you have McKinney coming in at safety. Like you have a really kind of solid defensive foundation to build upon, I think. Yeah, I like the Giants defense a lot. They did not give up a third down conversion in this game. You Which can say crazy. that's on Wentz. You can say that's on the Eagles' play calling. But at the end of the day, the Giants' defense was, you know, on the field and they stopped yeah. each one. And Definitely. they weren't—they weren't all like third and twelves. They were there were some yeah. short third and somethings. They mm-hmm. stopped. Um, they stopped a two-point conversion, which was dumb which to even call yeah. it in oh, the yeah. first place because you but Peterson loves that for whatever reason. You, you kick the field goal to three-point game. There's no reason to go for two there in the mm-hmm. third quarter. Just stupid. Like, if you want to you know, get on Doug Peterson for something, it's that. It's those kind yeah. of decisions that he makes, trying to be the smartest mm-hmm. guy in the room, that just backfire. But the, di- the defense has been really good. They got pressure on Wentz. Um, Bradbury's fantastic. I don't, that, what is, I'm the biggest Gettleman critic, but his moves on defense have been very good. The Blake Martinez signing has been very good, mm-hmm. and the Bradbury signing has been very good. So I'm happy with the Giants. I would like to see them get, you know, that big pass rusher to kind of tie up everything together. Because if you have Bradbury and Martinez and then McKinney turns out to be what we hope McKinney is to be, you know, that's a pretty good secondary from the mm-hmm. linebacker to corner to safety. That's a pretty good foundation that way. But yeah. then you need to get consistent pressure um, on the quarterback. So I think if the Giants don't go offense in the draft – or offensive line, I think that's where they would go because they're gonna mm-hmm. they're gonna win themselves out of the Lawrence or Fields sweep sweepstakes. Yeah, I think that's where they're gonna go. And then offensively, they've run the ball really well. I must I, say, again, I, I love Wayne Gallman. One hundred yards it. rushing. Jones had sixty four of those yards. He had a touchdown run, didn't fall down, so progress. <laughs> Tip of the cap. Gallman had fifty three yards rushing. Alfred Morris contributed thirty four. So they were steady on the ground. And then Daniel Jones for the second straight week didn't shoot himself in the foot. That's where Daniel Jones's big critique is, is obviously he turns the ball over too much. Now two straight mm-hmm. weeks, he hasn't thrown the ball to the other team. And two straight weeks, they've won. So if you want to really, you know, have, you know, a cause for optimism as a Giants fan, Daniel Jones has turned it around since that horrible Tampa Bay game and then the previous games before that he had a really bad stretch of games with turning the ball over he hasn't mm-hmm. turned the ball over 21 of 28 244 yards didn't have a touchdown pass didn't need to throw a touchdown pass which is fine yeah but hey that's that's the way it's going to be right now now you texted if, if me wins this, games you texted me this during the game where the Giants were driving down the field I think they were inside the 10 and they mm-hmm. had, you know, quarterback read options each time. And you said something that was true. They don't seem to trust Daniel Jones in big time spots to put the ball in the air. Mm-hmm. At some point, he's going to have to learn how to do that successfully if he wants yeah. to take the next step as an NFL quarterback. Because this yeah. isn't a league anymore where you can have a Mark Sanchez 
kind of mm-hmm. just hand it off to and go and run your way to the championship game. It's not yeah. a, you know, a, you know, um, I mean, it's work with Tannehill, but Tannehill can make a throw if he needs to. Like you need yeah. your quarterback to thread the needle and mm-hmm. you need your quarterback to make big time throws. And you have to have confidence as a coaching staff and as an organization that your quarterback can do that. So yeah. it's nice if the giants won, it, it's more of a feel good, win than the two Redskins games have been or Washington games have been, mm-hmm. but you know, baby steps. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things where we have to give credit where credit's due. Like he's been doing well credit to Jason Garrett too, for kind of, it looks like they have a, a more uh, kind of similar to like the Buccaneers game where the, the offensive attack was a lot more methodical and it, it seemed to be working out a lot better trying to get the hand, uh, the ball out of, Daniel Jones' hands uh, quicker, and obviously it helps tremendously when you have a good run game. So credit to the offensive line for that too. But with like yeah, and I know like PFF had like their big throw ratings, and he must have been like first in QBs with like four. But more so with Daniel Jones, you I want to see his throws in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm pretty sure we both know he can make throws. Yeah, elsewhere. we've seen him make I, throws. Yeah, he has a cannon, and, and he has some pretty nice touch too. But I think it's those red zone decisions and kind of throwing when when blitzed. Now I'm curious because Daniel Jones looks like he's uh, the next Lamar Jackson right now. And we both kind of thought about this and said how, hey, like his biggest issue is fumbling and you want this guy to run. So and it's one of those things where it's working right now and it has for the last kind of few weeks. And it looks like it's something they're going to kind of entertain. But I'm curious how that makes you feel about him just as a quarterback because at, at the end of the day you have to be able to make those big time throws mm-hmm. i would think the yeah. running to to me is kind of extra like yeah. it's nice it, it may, it's going to win you games probably but when you think about kind of long term and even longevity is that the smartest thing for daniel jones and the giants right now or he even say 2021 he, he'll never be successful if he's a run first quarterback like that's just mm-hmm. not the way that this team's going to operate it's just not um, – he needs to learn, like, how to throw the ball first and then run second. If he um, needs to. But, you know, on the touchdown run, he had the football up tight. Where yeah, no. Previously, it, it, previously it was down. And that's kind of – that's the adjustment they made with Tiki Barber 20 years yeah. ago. Um, mm-hmm. Tiki Barber had a big fumbling problem, which is worse if you're a running back than a quarterback. And yeah. then taught him how to hold the ball. And I guess they're doing the same thing with Daniel Jones because if you watch the replay of his touchdown run, it's like really – He was like just yeah. – yeah, he was great, so which, like which is good. Thing, which is good. Like that's what you yeah. should see from your 24-year-old quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm really interested in seeing with, you know, Daniel Jones moving forward is if this read option and this running from him will disappear when Barkley's back. Now, if Barkley comes back, the running players are going to go to him. I would like to see more of a evenly distributed kind of read option. And then Bark, cause I never saw a read option when Barkley was under. Yeah. Behind, but it was just, it was always just, just, just giving the ball. ball. Cause why, yeah. why wouldn't you? So I think moving forward to keep defenses honest, we've seen Daniel Jones have success with these read options. We saw both Eagles games. He broke it off. We saw a Redskins game where he ran 80 yards down the field before getting knocked out of bounds. So when Barkley comes back, how does the play calling change? If it changes, mm-hmm. does it go back to just, you know, give it to Barkley straight up the middle? That's been the mm-hmm. problem with Barkley the last two years, no matter who's calling the plays. Like they don't really have a lot of creative ideas to what to do with Barkley. You have this yeah. like Ferrari, but you don't take it out of the driveway. That's been the yeah. giant problem. 
So I think it's nice to see what Jones has done with the ball running mm-hmm. when he when he holds on to it and doesn't give it away. But I think a lot of this, you know, a lot of these plays have been because they've been just so desperate because they haven't had their best player. So when yeah. Barkley comes back, I wonder what happens with Jones and the play calling and if they continue to give him these options where he can run the ball if he so chooses. I would think, I mean, just just say you're a defensive coordinator right now. Like if Saquon Barkley's in the game, you're going to more kind of hone in on him. So mm-hmm. I think that might even open up even more read options. So it, it, it is going to be interesting to see uh, kind of how that works because, I, I mean, I, as of right now, if I'm the Bengals who the Giants play next, I'm going to have to put a guy, a linebacker, kind of spying Daniel Jones on any run play, basically. And then so that, that opens it, up for the passing game. It opens up for the passing, the play action, and then it op- it just, it's one less defender. And that's what the, that that's is, what the, that's what the Giants wanted when they first got him. This is, the, this is the big difference between Daniel Jones and Eli Manning. They yeah, saw so I, everything in Eli Manning when they saw Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. The big difference was that Daniel Jones can move. Yeah. Like, I was shocked when – like I saw a stat, I don't know which game it was, but his, you know, top speed on that one Eagles run where he fell down, that yeah. was faster than Lamar Jackson's ever run in the NFL, mm-hmm. which is it's insane crazy. to me. You, yeah. you would never believe that. So yeah, I, I, th- I think the, the thing with, with, with DJ compared to obviously Lamar Jackson is, and other quarterbacks too, like a Kyler is, I don't think the top speed is the issue because clearly he looks like he kind of has the edge on the top speed, but it's that. It's his acceleration. So that's, I think, where the run option is going to kind of falter is because it's going to take him a little bit more to get going than it would another guy, say Lamar or Kyler Murray, someone like that. But, I mean, I think for right now, you kind of – if it's working, you ride it. You tip the cap to the coaches for making an adjustment. But you, you still – you, you want to see – because say you're, you're down points, you're not really going to be doing read options. Say you're down seven in a two-minute drill. I don't know if you're going to kind of see that. So I want to see him in the Bengals game. I want to see him kind of still do those read options because if they're going to work, keep doing it. And then if he comes in a situation where he needs to really air it out, I want to see what he does then. Let's dream a little bit about this giant season because that's all we can do. Nothing wrong with that. We can't tell the future. So they have the bye in week 11 and then mm-hmm. the Eagles play the, the Eagles play the Browns. Um, Week 12, they have Bengals, and then from there they have at Seahawks, Cardinals, Browns, at Ravens, Cowboys. For them to have any realistic shot at winning this, because of that you know tie that the Eagles have makes it a little bit more complicated, mm-hmm. they would need, in my opinion, they have to win the Bengals game and the Cowboys games. Those are the two teams that you're definitely better than, and you'll be favored yeah. on you should be, and you mm-hmm. should win those games. That leaves the Seahawks, Cardinals, Browns, Ravens. So if you win the Bengals-Cowboys games, that brings you to five wins. So you need two more, in my opinion. Yeah, I was going to say, you need to at least split. Because if the Eagles didn't have a tie and they had a loss instead, then you can make the argument that six would get mm-hmm. it. But I think you need yeah. to seven now because of that tie. Yeah. Where do you see those three? Because I mean, you can play the Browns, I think the Browns could be that win. But then you got to beat one of these birds teams that are going to be competing for divisions. So Seahawks, Cardinals, Ravens. You need two of those three. I mean, is it is it crazy to say that the Seahawks is their best chance at a win there? Going to Seattle, that's really tough. But yeah, I can see it. I mean, the Seahawks. They, they, I mean, we got the Seahawks aren't, aren't playing been. well, and the 
the Giants have a good defense. And I mean, the Seahawks' best part of their game is their offense, which isn't playing well right now. And the Giants have a good defense. I think that is a recipe for success. I mean, Kyler, I think, is an absolute stud. And the Cardinals' offense is electric. So I don't really think the Giants are going to outscore the the Cardinals by any means. And the Ravens are obviously uh, a different caliber team than I think the uh, Giants have played in the last two weeks uh, with the uh, Eagles and Washington. Mm -hmm. Buccaneers were a legit team, but I mean these past kind of oh my god. Let's past... let's let's, uh, let's let's pump the brakes on the Ravens for like one second because they had a bad loss against the Patriots. That is true. They've, they have all of a sudden not looked like the powerhouse that they used to be. You know, a month mm. ago. Now I'm not yeah. I'm not saying the Giants are going to win that game. I, I'm not going to go that far. Yeah, but you know, you think they have you think they have a better chance than the Ravens? The Seahawks. Can, the Ravens can lose to the Patriots. They can lose to the Giants, right? Am I, is that crazy? Uh, how how much of a factor do you think the rain played? I don't know because because the 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 rate I mean the Patriots are a run first team mm. and obviously with so that that to me the situation kind of played into Belichick's hands I think a lot there and you obviously again trying to throw and catch a wet ball is just awful. However, though I will say that the Ravens' offense especially doesn't look that good. I think again and this happens. All the time, we fall in love with these mobile kind of run-first quarterbacks, and then teams kind of figure out a script on them. And it's like, all right, well, what do you do when you have to throw the ball? And I think we're kind of seeing right now that, like, like to me, Lamar doesn't seem like a top-five quarterback in the league right now, mm-hmm. as of right now. That, that's just me. I don't know your thoughts on it. No, he doesn't. Like, and it, it fluctuates every single league. Like, at his of course. Best, he's probably of top course. three quarterback in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. If you Mahomes and like a Wilson or a Rogers, and then he's right yeah. in that top five type, top three, top five kind of debate. But mm-hmm. you know, he's had we've talked about this before after that Steelers game. He's had these kind of stretches where he doesn't know what he's seen. He seems to not know what he's doing out there. Yeah. The two playoff games he's been in. Um, the big Steelers game that could have, you know, helped the Ravens win that division. And then a nationally televised game against the Patriots. He seems to fall or underperform when everyone's watching him. Yeah. Uh, again, there's, there's the, definitely some, some truth to that. Now, lucky for him, that Giants game will be a one o'clock game that nobody's going to, it's not a national <laughs> game, but yeah, that's fair. You never know, but you know, it's not over for the Giants. They need to get to. Seven. No, it, 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 it really isn't. And get that, that Eagles tie is such a killer. I know that that seems to just kind of be haunting them. There's a bunch of killers. I mean, the Eagles, the Eagles lost that they had. They lost by one. Engram mm-hmm. catches that ball. Like we're not talking about this. Like yeah. if, they, if I, they win that Cowboys game, we're not talking about this. If they win that yeah. Rams game or the the Bears game where they had a you know a fourth and goal at the end of the game, if they score a touchdown and win the game, you know we're not talking about this. The Giants. We're talking about the Giants making the playoffs. But so so the way it works in the NFL. Go going through all that. Are are we? Back off of the draft, the first round quarterback uh, train now. I think we are because I don't think they're going to have a top five or top three pick. Where like uh, after, so- after Lawrence and Fields, like it's a kind of a big drop. I know I'm not the biggest college football connoisseur, but mm-hmm. from what I've so, read, it's a big drop. Is it not? Yeah, but so so no. Yeah, I would I would agree as of right now. But so if you could get Fields, would you still? I think I don't know. I don't know. You'd have to ask me at the end of the year. That's fair. Again, that, that, that's that's if, the, if, Jones, that, that, if Jones goes the rest of the year and he plays the way he did against Washington in the Philadelphia, and he doesn't throw the ball over and doesn't kill you. I'll give him another. Mm. I'll give him another year. I'm not. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I'm not signing him to an extension. I would never do that. 
at this yes, point. Yeah. Right? But that's, I'll give them, a, I'll give them a third year. Yeah. So I don't know. I I mean, think I'm backing off a little bit. If they lost those last two games and they're right in the thick of things with the Jets for Lawrence, I'm gonna I'm waving the white flag. I'm saying get Trevor Lawrence. I, and I think that is a very smart approach about it. Obviously, first off, saying gotta wait till the season's over. We're a weekly podcast, so we don't have that luxury. We're gonna yeah. obviously overanalyze everything. But yeah, I mean, it, it, I think he's doing a little bit to alleviate kind of uh, alleviate kind of the, the stress on him and the pressure on him uh, in his hot seat. But and again, that's just I think that's just a tip of the cap to, to the defense too. I mean, you holding teams to 17, 20 points like that. That's that makes you as a as a uh, second year quarterback very comfortable. So. We'll, we'll see kind of how they handle the Bengals, who are a little bit more of a dynamic offense. A mm-hmm. little bit, not much, but yep. Joe Burrow, I think, is a little bit better than a, a Carson Wentz or can do a little bit more that that excites you. So we'll see. And I mean, I, I have some more faith in Daniel Jones than I did say three weeks ago because I, yeah. I, 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 I agree 100%. I think Daniel, I, I trust Daniel Jones more now, a lot more now than I did a month ago or even three mm-hmm. weeks ago. I was, I was running him out of town three weeks ago, but that's just the way I am. Everybody I'm, knows I'm with you there, too. Let's move on to the NFC South. What a difference a week makes, because last week the Saints destroyed the Buccaneers, and we were like, what is this? The Saints are going to run away with this thing, and, mm-hmm. you know, Brady's looked look really bad, blah, 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 blah. Now the Buccaneers destroy the Panthers 46-23, to 23, and not only do the Saints – the Saints win against the 49ers, but they lose Breeze for the foreseeable future. If you're New Orleans, if you're a New Orleans fan – with Hill or Winston, are you pressing the panic button now that Breeze is gone? No, because I when you watch their games, Breeze doesn't do anything that really excites you. Like his arm is so weak right now. And luckily for for him, they kind of cater the offense to him with a lot of slant patterns. They have very good wide receivers that have good uh, yards after catch uh, ability and, and they're quick. But again, I, I think this is a very good system for Jameis to, to be in. You, there's no really kind of long developing bomb plays like he kind of had in uh, in Tampa. And obviously he's not really going to be uh, chasing a 14-point deficit because their defense is really good. So I think whoever it is, whether it be Taysom Hill or Jameis, and it looks like it's Jameis is getting the nod, I think they're going to fit right in. I mean, like there really isn't much about the saints offense that is kind of too complex or that that's someone, some, something that someone couldn't handle. That's my idea. So I I don't think there'll be any kind of panic button by any means. Lucky for them. They play the Falcons who are three and six next week. So you kind of, you're not playing like this crazy good defense. That's going to murder you. If you're Jameis Winston, you get to ease yourself back into the starting lineup, but you know, you say what you want about breeze and how he's not the quarterback. He wasn't one. That's all true, but yeah, there's still a, you know, a chemistry factor with that team. And that team goes yeah. where Drew Brees takes them. That's the way it's been for yeah. a decade now, right? In mm-hmm. the NFL. Um, so it's it's still it's still a big loss for them not to have Drew Brees. Yeah. But I, I agree with you. It's much easier. It was probably going to be much easier to overcome it had this injury been five years ago. Yeah, I think I think we're really going to see. You still think they're the favorites to win the division in the end? Ah. Uh... Tampa Bay, they're killing me, and, and Brady specifically. I, every, I, I can't every other week because you, you got to realize that they still let up a ton of points to Carolina. Mm-hmm. Carolina is not really the best team by any means, and that was without McCaffrey. So their defense is like they're they're very strange. Again, that that performance against Green Bay just it just makes no sense to me. I honestly think that was an anomaly, 
and I was really big on their defense. I mean, I have them in fantasy, and that one game has kind of given me hope for them and for the team to win the division. But again, I, I think you're going to see an even playing field between them, the Saints, and Tampa Bay. But I think you got to give the edge to the Saints now. I mean, they have a defense, which is something that I think every playoff team is going to need. And I really think Jameis is going to do admirable in, in that system. You you think Jameis is going to be fine? Yeah, I, I really do. I think this is a, a, is a little bit more simple of the system. You think they're making the right choice with him as the starter instead of Hill? Oh yeah, I'm. I am. I'm not really a believer in in kind of Taysom Hill as a as a full time quarterback. I think where he shines is kind of his gimmick plays. You could call it a gimmick, but like like it's more deception. And it's like he gets the ball, like he doesn't really throw it that many times. And if he does, it's like a surprise. Like he's more kind of run first. So the, the, it's, I think they're just going to plug him in. You're still going to have Taysom Hill in as his kind of deception role and gimmick role, because if he's not in, then you're losing that whole aspect of games where that like third and one, you bring Taysom Hill and you're like, oh shit, what are we doing there? But if he's in there full time, who knows what he does for 50 plays. And obviously from a running standpoint, you give him say 20 rushes, quarterback rushes, opposed to just like the five to 10 that he gets. I don't think they're going to be as effective. And then teams can kind of, game plan for that and i think it's important something you said you wrote about it and we said it right before we started recording this like it's good that the 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 saints were prepared with this situation because yeah everybody gets hurt like injuries are not new to the nfl so especially at the quarterback position with breathe out if they didn't have a winston or a hill they'd be dead right yeah so now that they have a quarterback with starting experience they're I'm not going to say that they're going to not miss a beat without their Hall of Fame quarterback, because I don't think that's fair to Drew Brees, who's a first ballot guy. But mm-hmm. it, it'll be easier to take now that they have a solid backup. And I think that's something that all NFL teams need to be prepared for moving forward. Because yeah. a lot of these quarterbacks now, they're not just pocket passers. They're not an Eli or a Peyton kind of guy yeah. or a Brady kind of guy. They're guys that like to run around. And if you run around, you're going to get hurt sometimes. And I think yeah. they're like something that you've, been meaning to talk about here is that you know you got to be prepared for these injuries yeah so i have a list of just a couple quarterbacks that i'll get to in a quick second but going back to the giants a little bit it's like yes it's awesome that the daniel jones is kind of running a good amount but obviously with that is he's going to take some hits which 100 makes him more prone to an injury happen so it's kind of one of those situations and obviously, it's a little different with the Dolphins and Tua because he's coming off a hip injury. I don't want him getting touched at all. Like, like not at all. Like, if it means throwing it away on second down opposed to maybe kind of scrambling out, it's like, I'd rather you just get it done within the confines of the pot. Me personally. And as far as this player's, say, 10-year career, I think that is a smarter bet on the guy who's going to do what he needs to do inside the pocket for the next 10 years. Because... I mean, you saw with RG3, I mean, you look at right now, Big Big Ben, he's had a torn meniscus and an elbow surgery uh, dating back to 2016. Stafford had spine and back uh, surgery in 2019. Tannehill's had a torn ACL. He started shoulder. Cam Newton's hurt his uh, shoulders, had concussions, fractured ribs. Aaron Rodgers has had shoulder, collarbone twice. Teddy Bridgewater, torn ACL. I mean, Jimmy G, another torn ACL. Carson, Wait, Carson Wentz, torn ACL, and he hurt his back. And we just saw Nick Foles get hurt. And and it's just you're seeing so many guys get hurt. I mean, and not even to mention 
the running back position. Those guys get hurt all the time, all the time. All it takes is one kind of bad hit, not even for like an ACL and stuff like that, but just a concussion. It, it really is crazy. And it's like, like you're seeing that these guys are getting hurt. And some of those of, of the guys that just named or just pocket passes, is that really what you want your quarterback to, to be going through and even put them at more of a risk for an injury? Unless you have a contingency plan in place, but I, I really don't think this whole kind of mobile quarterback thing is the best idea, at least a run first quarterback. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I mean, you got the game over your shoulder with Lamar Jackson. Like mm-hmm. the Ravens don't trust Jackson in the air. Yeah. They don't, they don't. They expect him to do these check downs, these slants, and then break one, you know, once or twice a game. But in the grand scheme of things, who's won the Super Bowl like that? I, I know. I mean, it's, you can make the argument that, you know, this has been an evolving position. We haven't seen quarterbacks like this before in agreed. the history of the game. But, you know, until, that's for a reason. until it happens, like, we've seen these kind of guys before. Michael Vick, we saw. We saw RG3. We saw, you know, all these guys that like to run around. Yeah. College, you know, style offenses. They've all been translating to the NFL. And now, because of that, if that's going to be the evolution of the NFL and the NFL offense, you need to be prepared for your quarterbacks to get hurt. And you need to hundred percent because in college, yeah. these offenses are fine. And if their quarterback gets hurt, they have another, you know, five star recruit ready to back them up because mm-hmm. that's just the way the recruiting process works. That's how these, you know, rosters are built through recruiting yeah. and all that stuff. NFL is not like that. A lot of the backups historically have been, you know, journeymen, you know, yeah. Okay, Josh McCown kind of guys. Yeah, fifth or, round quarterbacks or washed up guys like uh, Sanchez. Those have been yeah. the prototypical backup quarterback. Oh, Joe Flacco now. Those yeah. have been the prototypical backup quarterbacks. Now you need your backup quarterback to be able to play a little bit and to win games. And the issue is, in my opinion, when it comes to that, is that you're going to have to convince guys who want to start and who have the capability to start to back up. And we've seen that with Fitzpatrick. That's it's it's not hard for these guys to accept because they're you know professional athletes. They have really big egos. They're very confident in their abilities. Yeah, and they want to play. I think eventually, if this is the way the NFL is going to go with their offenses and their quarterbacks, it's going to be hard to let guys or a lot hard to convince guys to be backups unless you throw like a boatload of money at them. And people don't want to pay their quarterback, their backup quarterback. Backup, yeah. And then even even more so, usually teams only carry two quarterbacks. Now you're gonna you're gonna have to start seeing teams carry three to game day. So that's just eating another position of, of need, say somewhere else on the defense or offensive line or or whatever. Well, but, what you can also what you can also do is not have a starting quarter. Well, you're gonna have a starting quarterback, the guy that gets the bulk of the carries. You would have to make your backup quarterback an integral part of the offense, and not just a clipboard holder every single week. Like a Taysom Hill, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it just. Happy. Yeah, I, I just like when I think about that, it's just like, like that. I'm not in love with that. Like even like with with the Saints, it's like third and four, and Drew Brees is off the field. It's like, like like what? Like like imagine yeah. imagine the the uh, the. Well, if you have Saints. a Hall of Fame quarterback, you're never going to do that. But if you have like a guy like Carson Wentz on the Eagles who's struggling mm-hmm. a lot. Hertz should get Hertz maybe not be the starter now, maybe not just bench Lance altogether, but mm-hmm. you should give him a little bit, give Hertz a little bit more of an opportunity to put the ball in the air and make a play rather mm-hmm. than have Hertz under center, have Wentz lined up as a receiver, which is stupid. 
never works. Yeah. And then just have I Hertz, hate that too. Just yeah, Hertz do something because you know mm-hmm. Went isn't doing anything. So what's the big difference if Hertz doesn't do anything? At least give them the opportunity to do so. Yeah, no, I'm 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 kind of I'm I'm with you there for the most part too. It's just it's yeah, like a lot of these guys you see specifically with, with the Eagles too. I think given the opportunity, you'd kind of be surprised what they do. And I mean, that's kind of been my motto with running backs, especially. I think there's a shit ton of guys who can run the ball well, but they just need the opportunity. And, and and again, we keep talking about injuries and stuff like that, which still to me proves I want to diversify my running back room to me that again. And, and I've, I've had to eat my words a little bit because you're seeing Kamara ball out and you're seeing, well, not see and McCaffrey on the flip side. He gets used a ton. He gets hurt. And then it's like, all right, you see Dalvin Cook ball out. But he had 30 rushes yesterday for like 96 yards. So 96 yards is nice. Not 30 rushes. That, that, that's ridiculous to me. Mm-hmm. But like, like you got to have someone else who could run the ball. Like you cannot tell me that, that Dalvin Cook on his 27th rush of the game is better than whoever their backup is. Who actually, I remember being pretty good on his fifth rush of the game. I, I, I that's it's just human nature. I really don't think you can convince me that 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 is true. Let's wrap this episode up with the last undefeated team in the NFL, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. We ended last episode, I believe, with the Steelers as well, but they're mm-hmm. undefeated and they deserve to be talked about. They beat the Bengals thirty-six to ten. Then their upcoming schedule is Jaguars, Ravens, Washington, Bills, Bengals, Colts, Browns to end it. Where is this a loss for the Steelers? Are they going to go 16 and now? Are they going to do it? I I think I think the Bills is going to be their toughest matchup. Mm-hmm. But it's it, again it, we we talk about how to like, like statistically 16 0 is like almost an anomaly. Mm-hmm. But it's like when you really go through these games, like Bengals aren't giving them fits. The Browns aren't giving them fits. The Jaguars clearly aren't giving them any fits. Ravens Washington week is a toss up to me. That, yeah, well, the hard. Ravens have a lot to prove. Yeah, I, I think the Ravens. Lab- but again, we just Raven. got to think Jackson doesn't play well when everyone. Yes. And, and to me, they have such a dynamic defense that n- none of those teams besides the Bills, I think, would really scare me. Like, I, I don't really see what's even the Colts. more likely Steelers loss or Jets win. Um, I think. Uh, ooh, let's, let's, let's think about this a little bit. Well, let me let me just quickly check that uh, that Jets. That they have Flacco this week because Darnold's out again. I saw that. Yeah, he's still out. I think uh, I, I got to say more more likely is a uh, Steelers loss. Really? Because I mean, I I don't I don't really see the Jets. Ah, take that back. Take that back. Okay. Jets play the Chargers this week, or yeah, this is this week the twenty second. Yeah, this is the week the Jets are going to win. It with almost Flacco. happened last week. Yes, with Flacco against Herbert and the Chargers. Almost Chargers right. defense is ass. It um. We got at uh, at Los Angeles, which I think is better. It'll be warm. I don't know. I think, man. I think Flacco's gonna let it let it eat. I mean, the Chargers' defense is bad, but like Joe Flacco and the Jets' offense isn't good at all. No, but that 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 Jets uh that Jets Patriots game, like you take away that one terrible pick that Flacco threw for whatever reason with five minutes left on the first <laughs> play of that drive, that changed the whole game. That's I, I think they'll, they'll be able to, to kind of uh, figure out the Chargers defense. I'm going to go Steelers loss. They have a few games that worry me if I'm mm-hmm. – well, nothing worries me. When you're, when you're nine and out, nothing's going to worry you. Yeah. 
Um, I think the Ravens on a short week can scare you, even though they're home. I think, you know, the Ravens are going to have something to prove, but we'll see. Until Jackson does something in prime time, I'm going to believe that the Steelers will pull it off. I think the Bills are a tough game, and I think they might just throw away week 17. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think Tomlin cares about 16 and now. I don't think it bothers him. I think he wants his guys ready for the playoffs. Especially – like you're going to put Roethlisberger out there in a yeah. meaningless game when you already have it locked up. Like mm-hmm. I think you're going to see the whole team sit. Yeah. Like wh- why, why would you play them? Why? Also the, it, it make... the Colts aren't terrible. No, the Colts, then... Colts, Colts were an interesting one. Yeah. And then they play the but... Bengals. It's hard to sweep all these teams in your division. Yeah. It's... yeah it's, I, I, I don't see like if they, if they, if they beat the Ravens, it's like really uh, Browns and Bengals. They don't I really, think the they Jets were not going to win that last me. game against the Patriots in week 17. Yeah, I mean, you, you by then you could see maybe no Cam Newton because obviously you're assuming they're not going to have anything to play for. So it's like, why are you going to even give Cam Newton this last game? Like, for what? Like, you already had 15 games. You can give it to, say, Stidham. And say, yeah. here, here's, here's your last tryout, too. Mm-hmm. We'll see what That's happens. Interesting we one. You have that we will. Jaguars week 11 that I'm fairly confident will be a win. I, I would never have to agree. But, you know. The Jaguars, they're on that two, the not two, the uh, Lawrence train too. They're trying they're, their hardest to get there too. They're 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 near they're near and they close. Need, they need the Jets to win one. Mm-hmm. They need that win, but I don't know. I can't I can't with the Jets. I don't want to talk about them no. ever again. The rest no. of the they ruin everybody's day. They ruin everyone's day. I think about them once, and I'm just like, I just want to blow my brains out. Like they talk about, I was listening to the fan, and then they say, "Oh, the Jets," and I'm like, I I, I don't want to do it. No, there's just nothing. There's not nothing, good for your mental health. Yeah, it's not just good for your mental health. Is. That is according to Jamal Adams. Did you hear about this? I, I that was interesting to me. That was. And, uh, and I was like, really, really? really? He, he, like, he was so, I guess, just upset with playing that that he asked for a trade. Like, you really got to think of like, is Adam Gase the so, worst head coach in like, the history the of football? Story is for those who don't know. Like, he he did an interview on a podcast, not this podcast. Mm. Unfortunately, we'd love to have. Him. <laughs> we'd love to have. But he basically said, yeah, I was depressed playing for the Jets. Like, I would, after a loss, I would, like, go in my room and shut all the lights off and turn the TV off and just sit in my bed under my blanket because I was so depressed and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, you know, in today's society, depressed is a very, you know, delicate word to use. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. the word he should have chose. He was sad that he was always losing. But mm-hmm. apparently, like, his father got on the phone with his agent and be like, get him out of here and blah, blah, blah. But then I was listening to the Michael K show today. And said, if you hated the, being a Jet so much, why did you say, give me this money? Say, get rid of me. Don't say, give yeah. me this money. But, you know, something I thought that was interesting. But Jamal, I yeah. went to Seattle, and, you know, they're better than the Jets. But, you know, hope, he's hope that, yeah. And the, yeah, the Hawks are in danger of not making the playoffs, possibly. Yeah, I, think the, I think we could safely say the Jets kind of, I mean, obviously, we'll see what how the draft picks pan out. But as of right now, you would say the Jets kind of won that deal they definitely by a good won. amount. I think yeah. it's, I think the public um, bashing of them was just because it's another Jets thing. Another superstar guy doesn't want to be on the Jets, and that's bad yeah. optics from a fan and media perspective on the organization. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like the X's and O's and a team that's not ready to win yet, there's no reason yeah. to have him here. So I think the Jets did a good job. We'll see what their draft picks turn out to be with that. And their team. coach. Yeah. And their coach. We'll see how that all transpires. But just to get rid of that, Kind of like the Giants with Beckham, even though I went, yeah. I still would have traded Beckham. Yeah, like kind of things like, like you, it is. You, what it you is. get it. Yeah, you get it. I I'm get with it. that. 
So that will just about do it for this episode of Ice the Kicker. Next week, we will review week 11 and preview the always entertaining Thanksgiving games. Mm-hmm. There's only three this year. Normally, there's four, I think. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. We're going to do this three. You know, COVID ruins everything, but <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. So we will have all of that next week and we'll have a clearer picture where the Giants and Dolphins stand in their playoff hunt. So until then, wait. for Matt Farrar, my name is Glenn Negus. We'll see you on the next episode of Ice the Kicker.